This is the Drummer's Resource Podcast, session 148. And the quote of the day is from Ralph Waldo Emerson, who said, To be yourself in a world that is constantly trying to make you something else is the greatest accomplishment. You're listening to the Drummer's Resource Podcast, home of in-depth interviews with the world's greatest drummers and industry professionals. Information, education, and motivation for drumming and beyond. What's going on, everybody? Nick Ruffini here with another session of the Drummer's Resource Podcast. And wait, 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 before you don't fast forward, you got to listen to this part in the beginning. There's a couple of things I want to share with you uh, before we get into this interview. One, uh, I'm, I'm really hitting it hard on Snapchat. So if you guys are on Snapchat, uh, check me out at Drummer's R Source. If not, I suggest uh, getting on Snapchat. I'm just doing a bunch of stuff with Drummer's Resource. I'm going to be broadcasting live from NAM, and I'm spending some time at Drum Channel in the next two weeks. So uh, check that out at on Snapchat at Drummer's R Source. Also, uh, Drummer's Resource Pro has been going really, really well. I just had a live Q&A seminar with Rich Redman yesterday. I had Brian Frazier-Moore, Calvin Rogers. I have Paul Wertico, uh coming up in two weeks. So if you want to check that out and you really want to take your career to the next level and learn from the greatest drummers in the world who are actually out there doing it, uh, go to drummersresourcepro.com. You can learn all about it and sign up for that exclusive membership site. Now, this session is brought to you by DW Drums, and I love DW, as you guys know. I've been playing them for years, not only because they make great handcrafted drums, also because they support and foster drumming initiatives, much like this podcast they've signed on to be. The sponsors for 2016, and I'm extremely grateful to them. So be sure to check them out and say thank you at DWDrums.com. They keep this podcast free. Also... Dream symbols and Dream has a, an interesting philosophy. They make high quality symbols at a price that is reasonable for everyone. So they're they're below everybody else's prices, but make great handcrafted symbols and gongs. And they have a new ignition pack that is out that is priced for the beginner, but made for the professional. And it inspires you to start your engine. So check them out today at DreamSymbols.com. Also, there's going to be a question of the day at the end of the podcast every podcast now because I want to hear from you guys. I want to talk to you guys and I want to get your input on uh, on what's going on. So keep an eye out for that at the end of the podcast. And let's get into this interview. This one has been uh, on the docket for a while. I've been trying to get Thomas. He was on he was on tour. He was in Europe and he was all over the place. And I've been dealing with his manager and, and uh, just emailing back and forth. Finally got it lined up. We had this conversation uh, the other day and and it's I'm going to just put it out there. It's an interesting conversation. Uh, it's it's probably one of the realest and rawest interviews uh, that I've ever done. And when I say raw, I don't mean. I mean there's there's definitely profanity, but there's but he gives an accurate uh, uh, description not only of the music industry and the drumming business, but just what it's like to be a working touring playing drummer that is out there uh, on the regular. And he doesn't pull any punches. That's why I love this interview so much. So like I said, it's uh, definitely one of the one of the best interviews I think I've ever done because he was so honest and, and not reserved at all, which I absolutely love. So without waiting any longer, let's get into this interesting interview with Thomas Pridgen. Thomas, what's going on, man? Thank you for doing this. I appreciate it. Yeah. How you making out over there? I'm chilling, man. I'm over here. Got a bunch of shit going on, bro. I'm like doing all kind of shit, and I'm trying to get ready for this tour. I'm on tour from February 1st to May 1st. Who are you on tour with? With this um, Italian artist named Eros Ramazzotti. He's like, 
He's like the fucking Bruce Springsteen of Europe. Nice. Do you spend a lot of time in Italy? Uh, yeah, I spent like a month there, but he's playing everywhere. We're doing like this time we did last time we did like two months or three months in Europe. And now we're doing another three months and then we got a break and then we're supposed to do some, um, some, some, some Americas. I got you. I got you. So, well, I want to get into to that a little bit, but I always like to get just a little bit of backstory in, you know, with my guests to to let everybody know, you know, for those of the for those of the people who don't know who Thomas Pridgen is, uh, just a little bit about about who you are and what you do. You want me to tell you? Yeah, man. Oh shit. Um, I don't know. I've been shit playing the drums all my life, and um, I'm uh, um, I don't know. I've been playing drums all my life and I'm fucking grew, you know, I'm just, I'm, I don't know. I've been playing in school. I grew up in church and I know I'm crazy as hell, so it doesn't really show all the time, but grew up in church and uh, my grandmother um, was really a good nurturer. She didn't, she didn't Joe Jackson me, but she definitely, you know, inspired me to keep playing. And um, I used to play at uh the Mars Volta, people know me from that, but I play with Christian Scott and Keisha Cole and fucking Wicked Wisdom with Jada Pickett and Suicidal Tendencies and Chiodos and Thundercat and Flying Lotus and shit, a bunch of people that I can't think of right now. Eric Gales, Doug Pinnock. Um, fuck, I play on a bunch of records that some people know about. I work with a guy named John Feldman a lot who is a big producer and a singer for a band by the name of Goldfinger and he's one of my um he's a he's a he's the one of the producers that I record with a lot um but I record with a bunch of people and um I'm really into drums and culture and like you know anything that's you know that's you know I progressive really M- music or art or like you know you know anything but I don't know how to fucking talk about myself well, I think you just did a good job. That, that, that works for me. So I got yeah, a question. So yeah. how, how old were you when you started playing? I was three. Because, and the reason why I ask is because there's there's a, a thing that I, I think about a lot, and that's the difference between between talent and skill. So, you know, like Will Smith said, talent you have naturally and skill is something that you develop from years and years of, of beating on your craft. But, I mean, you started playing at three – and you won the Guitar Center drum off at nine, right? Yeah. So even though, I mean, not to take anything away from you, I mean, you were obviously young when you did it, but you had already been playing for six years at the time. And most people, you know, if they start when they're 13, winning the Guitar Center drum off at 19, you're like, oh, he's 19, you know, he's he's older. But you had already, you've already had all this <laughs> all this stuff under your belt. So what's your take on that, though? What is your take on on talent versus skill. Do you think that you had, you were just lucky enough to have a combination of the both, or do you think what you have is just raw talent? Um, I'm not going to take anything away from any of the drum off winners, man. I don't think nobody playing for six years can win the drum off currently. You know what I mean? I think, nah, the way the drum off has changed, man, it's not the same thing. It was like, you know, for, for me, for me, when I, when we were doing it, me, Eric Moore, Carlin McCullough, all the youngsters who did the drum off and won it, it was, it was a, it was based around you actually being a drummer and playing and having a solo that's built. And 
it was less about, you know, antics and what you're wearing and if you're singing a song and if you can p- program a, a song to the V drums or twirl sticks. It was less about that. Where now they've put all these other stipulations in it that has made it a lot more, you know, I don't know if I would say difficult, but it, it comes, it, it kind of negates the whole aspect of drumming when it comes to playing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I think it's a totally different, different competition. Now, um, uh, um, not to say that we weren't doing something that they weren't doing either. You know what I mean? It's just a different thing. So I, I don't want people to think that the drum off when I want is the same drum off it is right now. Because even right now, eighteen you got to be 18 to be in a drum off. Right. I was nine. So um, it was a different thing. But um, I think when it comes to talent and skill, I think um, I think my gift, um, my gift is that you know I, I started playing drums so early and it was a big blessing. But I think a lot of the stuff that comes with me has to do with I have a crazy ass like a crazy ass work ethic. Like if I have something that I really want to do, I'm obsessive. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. you know, from um, from skateboarding to, like, graffiti to, like, you know, um, fuck, you know, to cars, you know, to 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 everything, to learning how to to be a botanist and and grow, grow certain things. And I'm, a, I'm I get obsessive about it. Like, I'm that person who if I'm interested in it and I, w- I will go to the deep ends of the earth to find out about it. So mm-hmm. for the drums, it was the same thing. Like, you know, my grandmother was was awesome enough to be able to help me, you know, accomplish these things. Um, she, she seemed like she knew no, no, um, no bounds when it came to like, you know, Thomas wants to go here and check this out. All right, let's go. You know, she was always about it. And, um, so that's why I say she was really nurturing is cause she saw my interest in it and she just, you know, she just nurtured it. She didn't really, she didn't really try to push me as much as she tried to, to provide an angle or an alley for me to get to a certain place. So um, I would take lessons. And, you know, even when I was really young, I was so interested that other drummers who were older than me would take, you know, take time to teach me shit. Because I would almost make them feel uncomfortable not to. Because I would be sitting there and I'd be asking them so many questions (laughs) that they would, you know, a lot of times feel like, damn, this kid knows more about me than me. Right. You know what I mean? Because I, w- I, was, I was so fanatical, you know, from reading magazines to, to videos to even, you know, I was, I was as, as, you know, childlike as to be like telling a person what symbol they were playing on something. I'd be like, I remember on this video, you was playing this 12-inch A custom splash, you know, just for example, you know. Right. And I would tell them, and they would they would freak out because they were like, this kid knows everything. So <laughs> I was I was obsessive, you know. So and I still am to a degree because I still um because I still I still I'm a I'm 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 competitive. You right. know what I mean? I'm I'm highly competitive. So it's like um I felt like a lot of us who are really good are highly competitive. We're competing with not only ourselves, but we're competing with the idea of something that we don't see happening. It's like, um, you know, you're thinking you're in a studio practicing. You're thinking about, man, I'm sure, um, you know, maybe somebody is in in another place in the world practicing or these guys in Cuba who don't have Starbucks or PlayStations like we have out here, maybe they're out there practicing. So that was always in my mind. So I was always, 
I was always like racing the clock. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't know. I think I think talent is um, talent is the the the. I think talent is the 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 skill in in which you are are um, basically the in in which you are learning how how fast you learn. Mm-hmm. I feel like that is a talent. You know, I feel like when you see those dudes who are geniuses at math and in science, I think that's a talent. I think what I was doing was a talent. In the same respect, but I feel like I feel like you also have to have someone to be able to to give you information. And you're not just out of thin air knowing how to play all of Dennis's licks. Right. You know what I mean? You have to watch Dennis. You know what I mean? So I had a lot of people who were inspiring me. So I I would be a crazy person and not think talent is something, but I also think that it is built from something. You know, it, mm-hmm. it you know, you learn so you learn one thing. And even learning, bro, lear- learning in itself is a practice thing. Right. Like some people, like I have drummers that I teach and I'd be like, yo, you should watch other drummers, you know. And to me, it comes, you know, to me, it. and when I say it, when I'm saying it out loud, I'm saying to them in a way that I conceive it. I conceive watching people and being able to steal everything they play because I've, I've figured out how to learn. Right. You know what I mean? So I think I think it's um I think it, it takes skill to get past only having talent. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It takes someone being able to like sharpen the knife because um, right. I mean that I talent's feel, only going to get you so far, and then you got to refine it with skill with and that's hours and hours of sitting in the in the practice room figuring that shit out. Well, I think I I think that's true too. I just but I believe that like you know, it's relative, like how talented you are is super relative because you might learn something at, at six and not learn nothing at 17. So you have, right. have a lot of people who peak, you know what I mean? So it's like when they can, you know, you can run your capacity, I guess you want to say, I feel like, I don't know how, how, how much, you know, it's like gravity. It's like, is talent and skill not the same thing? I don't I don't think they are. You don't think so? I th- I don't know. I think talent is something that I think skill is something that you refine and you have to and I think skill is a learned thing. So you have talent that, you know, maybe when you're when you're 3 years old, when you sit behind the drums or 4 or 5, well, let's start let's say when you're 3. If you sit down and just start playing naturally, I think that's god-given talent. But I don't think you're a skilled drummer. You didn't. Well, I didn't. I didn't necessarily start playing naturally. I don't think none of us did. Like when you think of um, at three, when I was three years old, I was growing up in church, and my grandmother played piano, and I was sitting and watching the drummer all day, and everybody else was watching the drummer. So right. it wasn't like I, I feel like you know, as a kid, beating on something is absolutely natural. You know, I think that's the most natural thing to do. But when it when it comes to me, like I don't think like it wasn't. It wasn't something that I never saw. You know what I mean? It was right. something that I, I saw. So it's not like I don't think kids grow up in the desert and next thing you know they can know they know how to fly a plane in three. Right. They have right. to like they have to be around Develop. a plane. Right, right, right. You know what I mean? So it's like, is that really talent or skill? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I think talent I think talent is um is a is a downplayed word of 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 a, of a gift. Right. That's what I'm mm-hmm. saying. I think talent is a, is the gift and the skill is the is what you do in the practice room and you become a skilled 
drummer or carpenter or whatever it is that you Yeah, but what if what if even the whole idea of a gift just being an idea? Like right. say say you got a kid who is like nine years old and all he fixates on is sports and all he wants to do is think about the stats and he can tell you how many points Curry scored. Like I feel like I, I feel like yeah, it's you know, it's it's I think I think it's a gift that he enjoys that that much. Mm-hmm. Like that idea is implanted in his head and it's so powerful to him that that's what he is enthralled in. Right. That's what I think, you know, you have a gift. Someone gives you a gift. I think the gift is the idea, man. Like I think I think that's the most that's the most treasured thing in the world. If you if you look at if you look at societies and you look at these companies, what you're just talking about, you look at these people who own everything, the one thing they won't ever give you is what? information yeah yep they gi- they'll give you money they'll give you a drum set they'll give you all this shit they won't ever give you information why do you think that is because that's what the gift is <laughs> the gift is information yeah. yeah that's why when you that's why the people who give you the information are so important yeah i agree it's a, so it's like that I don't know. So for that that level, I I, I I get confused on because you know the 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 English the English language is is be is reverse. You know that, right? Mm, what do you mean? All right. Well, if you if you go in Spanish and you know if I was speaking English the way Spanish people speak Spanish, they would say I'm gonna eat the taco big or the 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 the. the 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 red the the cherries red right right, right. They, they say it backwards so spelling is a spell it's a it's backwards it's a spell what is a spell that's witchcraft that's something that's backwards so when you say stuff and people say stuff to you and especially when you start thinking about what law is and the way law is it, it starts being like you have I have to be hella careful about what I'm saying because. Sometimes I'm saying the opposite of what the fuck, you know what I mean? I feel right. like it's, I have to think about what I'm saying because the people are li- the people who listen to me, you know, I don't know. I don't I don't know, man. I just I'm I'm a different person, bro. I feel like, you know, I played drums and that that was the that was the the information the gift God gave me and I, you know, but I feel like my purpose in life is so much more is much more huge than that because the people I meet playing music our relationships transcend music. Right, right. What do you think your purpose in life is? I ain't figured it out yet. No? But I'm saying that I know it ain't just to be like, oh, this motherfucker can play a thousand paradiddles around the drums. Right. It's bigger than I, that. Hell yeah, dude. I, I sat here and watched, I sat here and like not even trying to do it, bro, with a group of friends that I've known and naturally know them, not trying to meet them, none of that, have have started, have not even started, but have have that's wrong word wording, wording myself but i have highlighted a style we, we we have highlighted something inside of our own genre of playing the drums that has highlighted a bunch of shit for you know for people who had grown up in church you know right. which is just like us playing you know mm-hmm. what i mean being being alive being existing you right. know what i mean like prior to 2006 a bunch of these dudes didn't exist. Right. So my, my point is, it's like, you know, is my, you know, I think that in some levels was my purpose or 
you know, or our purpose is to sit there and every chapter you live, it creates something. You know what I mean? You're supposed to, you know, this is what this is what humanity's about. This is what fucking this whole shit is about with global warming and all these people fighting each other and what the world looks like and who we are as a, a color or who who the fuck we are as a human race. That's what this shit's about. It's about us transcending this time to the next time. Not death and life and death, but much more like like can we get can we get past the the way our world is right now to the next level? And I think it takes a bunch of people growing to next chapters of their life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I feel like I don't know if I don't know if my purpose is my purpose is our purpose. Right, the greater good sort of thing, yeah. rather than just you what you're doing individually, but as how it's how everybody's coming together to to sort of how everybody benefits from it. Right. Right. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, you know, Martin Luther King or Malcolm X, what they did, you know, it was bigger than them. They didn't benefit from it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It, the people after them benefit from parts of it, you know, or certain aspects of what right. they did. Right. So, I, you know, I don't know. I feel like, you know, I feel like music is um, music. Music is weird because music is one of the, the it's, it, it's one of the only places where people accept you because you do it. Mm hmm. You know what I mean? So what do you, what do you mean by that? Like, I mean, like if you, if you went around the world and you said you fucking play football, no disrespect to none of the football players, but nobody would really give a fuck. Right. You know what I mean? Why? Because it's nothing, it's, it's, it's nothing healing about it. Yeah. Like, it's not, you're not going to sit there and have someone say, bro, that moment you scored that touchdown, you kept me from, like, committing suicide. Right, right. You know well, that's, I, mean? I actually put something up the other day, was saying that music is the only language that we all speak fluently. Yeah. You know? So I, I agree. Nobody's going to, I don't think anybody's going to be like, man, your math skills really inspired me to, you know. Unless you're like crazy, but I don't know. I think I think it's cool that you know we get to live this this kind of life. I think that I mean to me that's the gift of like I don't know. I think that's the gift. I think all the people think about all the people who've changed the world, man, by by writing a song, right? You know what I mean. So I feel like I'm blessed, and that's the gift God gave me. The I He gave me the idea of playing music. He gave me the idea of 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 doing this. That's right. my gift. This is crazy. It's it's crazy to, you know, to look at it like that. But I don't know because I see everybody can really play the same thing. Hmm. So it's what you do with it after that to, to sort of, influence and and you know, use it for whatever you want to use it for. That's bigger than just music and and chops in this small. And you know it like this industry is small too. You yeah. know, so there's so many more things that can be done outside of it and using music to, to sort of as the connector to, to something else is, I think, a powerful thing. So I want to I talk to you a little bit about what did a practice routine look like for you when you were younger? What were some of the some of this stuff? Because you and the reason why I ask is I, I usually don't talk a lot about like drumming fundamentals on the podcast. But the reason why I asked is because I think that you have a definitive style that that is different than a lot of people and that's why I'm I'm curious to know sort of what your mindset was uh practicing and what sort of stuff you practiced 
Um, like when I was like, I had a mo- like like we were talking about the chapters. Like I would have one mode where it was all about like Dennis Chambers. You know what I mean? So I would engulf myself in listening to like you know everything he did with like Mike Stern to John Schofield to like right now the kids right now they got an advantage because they got a Spotify like when I was in college I used to go when the Max first came out I would go and burn all those fucking CDs they had in the library at Berkeley like I would be like I would go discography of Bill Stewart you know Mm -hmm. what I mean online right go straight to the library and go get every one of those records bro and be on it so I was I was like that. Like I when growing up in church, we all can watch you and play back everything. When I say that, remember I said that because it's gonna make sense why I play differently. I have I ha- I had to figure out a way to not sound like people. And then it just like um so everybody in church, we all watch each other and we can basically play it back. You know, some stuff you sit there and you'd be like, Ooh, I ain't never thought of it like that. Or mm-hmm. Ooh, I never saw a play on the time like that or that was extra fast you know you got shit like that too where it's like unnecessarily difficult you know so you got you got that and then you have the fact of like when i was growing up what i would do is i would learn i would look at all my favorite drummers all all day fixate on all of them (laughs) look at the drum set and i had a drum teachers i had drum teachers and i would ask them how to do stuff like the guys that i liked Mm-hmm. Like right now, we have an epidemic. We have an epidemic of drummers who are drum teachers who don't have a gig. Right. They right. ain't never played with anyone. Right. <laughs> the top, the top five music instructors. Now I won't even say that. The top four of them. I'll, I won't name any names. Majority of them don't have a gig. Right. Right. So when you say, "Can how do you play like?" How do you play like J.R. Robinson? He can't tell you. Right. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like I was I was teaching, I was getting lessons from people who were doing it. Like like Dave Garibaldi, Curtis Newtall, um, Tony Williams, man, people who were playing. I would, you know, my grandmother, we she would be like, she would meet, I remember Chuck Brown. There was a dude named Chuck Brown. He taught everybody in the, a lot of people in the Bay, not everybody. Right. But his lessons at the time were too expensive for me. I remember Tony Williams was expensive at the time. And my grandmother was like, I'll do one lesson, you know? Right. I remember that. But I would take lessons and I would talk to drummers who were on gigs. Like these guys that like come out of nowhere. Like I would see Virgil Donati because Virgil Donati had videos. When I was nine years old, Virgil Donati had a video with DCI. Right. And he was Duh, doing double DC, stroke rolls. DCI videos, man. Yeah. He had a DCI video and he was doing double stroke rolls. He's playing Remo drums and Pisces cymbals. I remember watching that shit all the time. So I would watch all those dudes. I, I had all the videos, and I and I was always checking them out. And I grew up in church. So I was like one of the first drummers to take a double bass to church. So it would be like, I remember another dude who did that was Teddy Campbell. Teddy Campbell was playing double bass in church. But a majority of guys were not diving into other styles that were using, like, you know, metals-esque, you know, stuff. Mm-hmm. So I was I was enthralled with modern drummers. So I would sit there and just I would practice practice just soloing some days. Some days I would play or I would do I would do it all. I would go and play the records. So I play the gospels with records. And a lot of the cool thing about playing with records with people playing drums is that they're actually playing drums. First sitting there, you know, trying to play with like a, 
uh, you know, uh, a Dr. Dre beat. You know what I mean? Dr. Dre don't have no real drums on that shit. So right. it's like you don't you don't have to. It's not the same musicality as a song with bridges and breakdowns and hits. So playing the church music and playing the like my favorite R and B tunes. You know, I was just practicing and I would I would practice soloing over them. Like I would, you know, I grew I, when I went to middle school, I was in the jazz band and then the dude kicked me out because I kept tuning his drums like a church drum kit. And he had them all tuned like timpanis and shit. So he was <laughs> mad, kicked me out, but I was still going to church. So then I went to another school, played in a jazz band. When I was playing in a jazz band, all those dudes were like, yo, you got to listen to Art Blakey and Tane and all these dudes. And they wanted me to sound like a cliche-ass jazz drummer. Not saying they're cliche, but horn players and people who are jazzists, jazzers, which I like to call them, have a traditional, you know, thought pattern of what jazz, at that time, probably less now, of what jazz should sound like, right? Right. So I would I would have to deal with that. So I would, I would, oh, and I also took lessons from Ndugu Chancellor. So mm-hmm. I would have... I would have Ndugu in summertime because I went to Stanford Jazz Camp and do and I was um I was too young to be at the camp but they let me go, you know what I mean? So I would be there and Ndugu would be teaching me and Ndugu would be wearing my ass out. He'd be like, "Man, you got to feather the bass drum." I'm like, mm-hmm. "All right," you know. He would just be wearing me out because right. he knew I was another black drummer and he wanted me to be able to really play. He didn't want me just to be like, you know, partially playing. Right. He wanted me to really be playing and mm-hmm. like I'm talking about reading. Feathering the bass drum, knowing how to play dynamics. I thank him for that. He really helped me out a lot because having people like him, you know, people like him who know how to be on you, like to a point where you almost want to kill him. Right. Like it helps you because when you have to deal with a crazy ass person in a band, it's easy. Mm-hmm. It's simple because you already dealt with you that. You already went through already, it all. Yeah, I already dealt with a bunch of choir directors who hated that I would play a fill or. I dealt with that shit. So by the time I got into where I'm at now, I don't have a problem with anything. Hey, you want me to fucking piss on a toilet paper? I'll piss on toilet paper on this record. I don't care. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't matter. You know, so I had a lot of people like that. And, you know, I had all these guys and, and they were giving me they were giving me their advice. You know, I, a, lot of my, a lot of my best advice from other people at the time sucked. At the time, I was like, I want to kill this guy. Right. And not, you know, I remember Little John, one of the things he said that I was pissed off about at the time. I don't know if I was pissed, but I was definitely distraught. And I was maybe 15, 16, first time he ever sees me play. And he's like, yo, all that shit you played was dope, but it would be tight if you played that shit quiet. And I was like, fuck this fool. Like, in my mind, I'm right. thinking that. Right. But, you know, he was saying some real shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that was, and right now... I, I look back on it and I laugh because it's sometimes, man, like I, I, I can play in a in a very dynamic way. I can play real quiet. You know, I can play real loud as fuck. You know what I mean? So it created uh, it created a sense of dynamics that I don't see in a lot of drummers right now. Mm-hmm. I see people play loud and I see people either play. I see people play loud and I see people play and they just don't make the drum sound good. Right. Like, you know, when you when you see like, you know, Abe Laborio. Or, you know, Sean Pelton or Jeff Beccaro or Vinnie Caliuta and Dave Weckl, you like them a lot more playing all that shit when the drums sound better. Sure. And they drums sound good. They know how to tune the drums and they know how to hit the drums. And so, uh, like, all this stuff that, you know, it's all helped me. It's all like, 
it's all shaped me. You know what I mean? It's like stuff that at times I hated it, but I, I, I look back and I respect it. And I, and I feel like now, now we're at a place where it, it's different now. It's different now because if you say you don't like a drummer, then you're hating. Right. And it's like, why? How am I wrong for saying I don't like the way this dude plays? Yeah, I mean, everybody. It's why? like I don't like certain foods. <laughs> like, what's it? Come on, man. Like, when? When? When is it? Why is it? Why? Why is we there? We're there now at this point in life where I'm not talking about just in our industry. I'm talking about in all industries where. If you say you don't like something, you're a hater. Right. If I say right now I don't like LeBron, I'm a. If I don't like, if I don't like the way this fool plays the drums, now I hate I hate him as a person or some shit. It's like nah, bro. That's not how it is. It's like we all are subjective. We all are people, and we and I feel like that keeps the movement going. I remember sitting in church and we would be like, nigga, I'll outplay you. Like right. people would say it to you. Yeah. You'd well, be like, comp- Are you- I mean, it's, it's competitive. Come on, man. This is as competitive as it gets because the moment and, and people try to act like it ain't until they need a gig. And then right. when they need a gig, everybody at an audition acting like they don't know each other. So right. it's, it's hilarious to me, but I always sit there, bro. And I was, I would be playing, I would be practicing. And I would also look at my, we look at you know I had Ronald on my fucking heels. I had you know uh, Justin Brown and Tony Wisher. We all hung out as kids, like so we all knew what we were doing. I'm talking to Tony. I'm like, what do you do? I see you at Pasic. We hang out at Pasic right. at 12 years old. You know what I mean? I know he sounds like you know I know what Ronald sounds like, and we're all close to the same age. So it was a bunch of us. Jacob Armin was there. You know, um, some of them did. You know, Somebody got you where my age playing at the time didn't stay playing. I started playing keyboards. I played a different instrument and stopped playing drums as much. But, you know, we were all inspired by each other. So I feel like having that and, you know, when I got to high school playing jazz, uh, like, you know, when you, when you, when at that time everybody was thinking of jazz as a, traditional like dude before christian scott's record man and like i mean i'm miles definitely did this you know he did it first you know not one of the first he did it first but when like in 2001 nobody was coming out with jazz records where drummers were playing backbeats right not at all you know what i mean so like it got to that place with with me because that was where i came from i came from the R&B, church, hip-hop vibe. And I listen, to, I listen to rock and punk all the time because I was skating since 13. Mm-hmm. I'm 32 years old. So I've been skating the black skater in the hood before a lot of people. I used to get fucking... People used to ch- chug bottles at me and shit and rocks and did just <laughs> laugh at me when I fell. I used to wear Jinko jeans and shit. And I was fucking the punk kid because I skateboarded and I was into graffiti. So I went to I went to school and did jazz, but I was always influenced by rock. So mm-hmm. I was always, if you talk to anyone who went to high school with me, I was always rebelling against jazz. I was always, but I was also learning a lot of what made jazz jazz. Right. Well, if you know, if I'm playing with a trumpet player and we're 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 playing together, I'm I'm supposed to compliment what he's playing because he's soloing, right? Or the player or the piano player where you got a drum. So I would take all these little things from every aspect of my, you know, musicianship from church, from um, his church. You know, uh, I went to a Baptist 
church and my pastor used to he used to sing so he would do a lot of blues tunes so we would end up in a shuffle we ended up playing blah, 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 like playing shuffle. So I learned, you know, they like play, listen to Art Blakey shuffle. I'm like, well, my pastor sings, you know, all right. And so I'm, I'm indirectly learning all these different styles of music. Not really understanding, you know, now I'll get to that. So I, I also was taking lessons from Alfredo Reyes and he lives here and he's like, it's not too many legends, like Afro-Cuban legends in the Bay or in the world at all. <laughs> and so, you know, they would, everybody, when they come to town, they would go and hang out with Alfredo. Right. And I was taking lessons from him. So I would get to see Horacio. I got to see Daphne's. I got to see a bunch of people from Cuba who came here illegally. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? They would sneak over and be here for like a week. You know what I mean? Right, right. And I get to hang out with them. And, you know, they'd be like, Tommy, you know, you guys are playing, you know, some commercial punk ass version of latin this is how you really play it right? <laughs> right, right and so you know i was looking at dave weckel no disrespect to dave weckel but dave weckel ain't gonna play latin like no dude from cuba so nope. you know i would sit there and i would i would you know get to see dave weckel and a lot of the guys in gospel was influenced by dave weckel's master plan you mean so we get to see i get to see dave weckel do it and i get to see horacio and so i I started putting the two and two together and I could start, I could see that the, the, the Afro-Cuban dudes was doing what we did in church. Right. Every week, every week the style would change. Huh. You know what I mean? Every week, you, you're, every week it's a new beat in hip hop. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. Like yeah. every, one day, everybody's all up on um, Teddy Riley. The next day, they all on Dr. J. The next day, they all on uh, Timberland. The next day, they all on grinding on Neptunes. So it, it's, it's a constant movement. That's that's what African music is. African music is is ever so changing because that's how that's, it's a wave. It goes with the times. That's why if you really notice um, black people and African people or I'll say more Moorish people are the most trendiest when it comes to music. Like we'll like something one week and the next week hate it. Right. <laughs> and it's because and then and it's the opposite. You look at white people and white people love a lot of music that black people gave up on. You yeah. know, what I mean, we'd be like, so it's like we are trendy with the music shit. So what happened was, you know, I would I would I, I would I was inspired by that. I would see that I would I would be like, oh, shit, they're not playing. They're not playing the clave this same way or on the same thing. They And they now now it's more it's a felt clave. You right, don't have to right. play it. You know what I mean? Right. You can play two notes in the clave. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So I was, I was just talking to Luis Conte about that. The, I interviewed him uh, a couple weeks ago. We were talking about the same thing. Yeah. About so, feeling it differently. Yeah. So it for me, it was like, you know, after after having all these different people open your fucking mind, basically, you know what I mean? I just, I started seeing all of it the same way. Right. So. The moment I got into Mars Volta and they're like, play, and I'm playing, I'm, I'm channeling that time I was nine and having to do my drum teacher's gig, you know mm -hmm, what I mean? And mm -hmm. he's like, yo, go do my gig. And I'm like, I don't know the songs, you know? Well, just go play. Right, and so figure that's it out. How, right. That's how I got the gig. And they were like, dude, you, tonight we, we kind of set you up. You're actually going to play tonight. And they're like, we're jamming on this one song. And that's what we did. I'm like, dude, they're like, are you going to feel weird? I'm like, no, I've been jamming all my life. Right. This is what, what I saying? do. Exactly. So I was, I was already getting prepared for a lot of this stuff. 
and you know even even past drumming you know even business you know I, you know i used to sit there and narda michael walden lives here so i would go to narda's house and narda is one of the biggest producers that ever was you know he did mariah carey you mm-hmm. know but he's also a fusion drumming god you know what i mean he did right, monte right. Vista orchestra after billy Cobham. right so i got to sit there and like i got to see uh uh i got to see a millionaire drummer at nine ten you know I'm like, this is amazing, you know. So <laughs> I kept, I kept, I kept climbing the ladder, bro. I kept moving up, I, and, there, and I still am. You know what I mean? I'm still changing it up. You know, this is my first time doing a European gig with a guy, right. and I took this gig on because I knew it would be a language barrier. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I want to see how it will feel to not only have a language barrier, but actually play a different style than I'm used to with people who aren't necessarily playing, they're not necessarily come from where I come from. Right. You know what I mean? It's a challenge or, you know, why do I want to do suicidal tendencies? I want to do that because it's a punk band from California and I get to get my, my, my punk chops up. Why do you want to do, you know what I mean? Most of the shit I've been doing is a challenge of myself. It's not, it hasn't been no money shit. A lot of times I've been not making a bunch of money. It's been a challenge to myself. Right. It's like, I want to, I've been, because, you know, I'm proving shit to myself. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. Do you feel like you still have stuff to prove? Hell fucking yeah. Cause I'm, I mean, but not to you. Like, I don't feel like I got to prove anything to you. Right. But I feel like for me, like, yes. I mean, I think that, I think in a lot of ways, drummers, I think in musicians are people in the world. A lot of times they want to prove shit to other people instead of prove things to themselves. Right. So you're not worried about what other people think. You're just worried about yourself. Not, I, I don't mean that. I, mean, I don't mean I wanna, that. I don't mean that negatively. I'm saying like you're nah, not trying to prove it. anything into except to yourself. No, I wanna. I wanna make sure I still keep the bar raised. You know what I mean? Sure. I don't wanna sound like shit and be like I don't give a fuck how you feel. But like I don't necessarily like I, I'm trying to prove shit to myself. Right. Because if I wasn't trying to prove shit to myself and it was it was all about everybody else, I'd be trying to go get Lady Gaga's gig or some shit. Right. You know what I mean? And that's kind of what a lot of people are fucking trying to that's what they prescribe to do mm-hmm. they're like i want to go and play for madonna and right. you know that's cool but musically is that challenging fuck no it's cha- it's more challenging being around those people and dealing with not being seen as a drummer and seen as a person a work a workhorse than it is playing the drums for madonna right you know what i mean so I'm challenging myself on a music level, bro. I'm this is this is music for me. This is like something that, you know, I you know, when you travel the world all the time, bro, you neglect your friends and family for this shit. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna neglect my friends and family for some bullshit ass music. Yeah. That make, like, like, real talk. That makes for sense. For some money, I'm gonna neglect my friends and family for some bullshit money because if you really think about it, a lot of these fools are getting they getting pimped. Yeah, it ain't no, it ain't no way in hell you go, you gonna get a Madonna to come to your arena for less than five hundred thousand dollars, right? So when you over here sitting talking about I'm making a thousand dollars a show and it's five shows a week at five thousand dollars and she just made what two point five million dollars and you getting paid fucking five thousand dollars, you just got pimped. <laughs> and yeah, that's that's my issue with all of these fucking magazines. That's why I was so juiced to talk to you because they, 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 they promote it. They promote getting pimped because they do. They've been knowing about me, Tony Royster, all of us, Ronald, all of us, bro. They've been knowing about all of us since we were kids. 
mm-hmm. they don't put us in shit until we are playing for Jay-Z or the Mars Volta or Prince or then they're like, oh, let me put you in here. Why? Because they want their magazine associated with the bands, not with you. Right. They don't Leveraging. Fuck about you. Leveraging. Yeah, they don't care about you. So you sit there and they pip you. They sit there and they be like, I want you in my magazine. You're like, bro, if this is a, all about modern drumming, where's the guy who is um, who plays in the subway singing? Who got fucking sixty thousand views? Sixty. Yeah. He got so many views. I saw the dude. He got so many views. He goes in. He kills it. He has an audience outside the subway in uh, New York all the time. Oh, uh, Reed. I see him all. I see him all. I live here, so I see him a lot. You see what I'm saying? Where's he yeah. on the cover? You won't yeah. see him on the cover. But I'm actually going to have him on the podcast. He's dope as shit. He, yeah, he is. Saying. And he can sing. He can sing really well, too. Yeah, he can really sing. And like for me, that's modern. That's a modern drummer because the modern person ain't on a gig. The modern person ain't rich. The modern person ain't working for the biggest star. The modern person is the person who's outside playing the drums because he wants to. The person who's out there sitting teaching their kids how to play the tambourine because it's, it's passed down in their family. Not because they fucking play with Fleetwood Mac. Nobody gives a fuck about that. No Fleetwood Mac fan really cares. Right. They don't care. That's like, you know what I mean? That, that's association. And I, I feel it, but it bothers me because coming from a person with a heart, I feel like, um, I feel like, um, you know, I don't know, man. I just, I feel like, I feel like the whole, the whole idea of, of where we have came is weird, you know, and I, I thank God that I got to experience and play with so many and have so many people teach me because, you know, I've, I've, I've gotten taught things so, as so, you know, not in, so random as how to fucking practice. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And not someone teaching me how to, not someone technically sitting down and be like, I'm going to teach you how to practice, but just me watching them. Like mm-hmm. I fucking did a clinic tour with Virgil the Naughty. And I thought I knew how to practice until I watched him practice. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I'm just like, like watching him and I'm like, that's where that's where my individuality comes because I've seen so many people, I refuse to go and play some shit like someone else. Right. So I gotta Bro. but so let's I wanna rewind a little bit because I gotta yeah. ask you. So so for the for the the kid now that's that's 13, 14, 15, 20 that's listening to this. Yeah. Are you suggesting not to go after that pop gig or not to? No, not I'm to go saying do you got to make money. I'm saying making money, dude. I mean, if 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 they say, "Yo, do you want to go work at this bagel spot?" and they're gonna pay you fifteen dollars an hour, I'm gonna be like, fifteen dollars an hour is good to work at a goddamn bagel spot." So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna diss anyone for making money. But what I'm saying is, we have gotten beyond making money into acting like this shit is art. <laughs> like, right. let's get right. real. This shit is not art. This shit is making money. And that's what it is for these companies who put the money up for these artists. Right. They don't right. be like, oh, yeah, I'm about to put a million dollars up because it's the most artistic person. Mm-hmm. If that was the case, it would be none of this shit. They put this money up because they know this shit is going to make them money. It's an investment. Sure. It's business. So, yeah. So if you're investing in investing in yourself because you need some money, I get it. But what I'm saying is for me, we have a slew. I mean, I, a lot of times, bro, I'm not I'm not I'm not a person. I'm not a bigot, man. I'm not a person who is, you know, you know, I'm not I'm not racist in any kind of fucking way, even though, you know, that. So I'm I'm the type of person who I have my I have people who who look at me, man, like I'm a black young male. 
I'm a statistic out here, man. I drive down the street, motherfuckers get killed, right? So I talk for a lot of my people, man. So when I sit here, you know, you know, what I what bothers me about it is that we are marketed, we as black men, especially in this music game, are marketed like that because, and I see it, and we, we're marketed like that while a lot of people, other people are not marketed like that. You won't ever see, dude, how many drummers how do we know in the world has been black who taught a lesson? A thousand of them. Now, how many of them are going to be on the cover of Modern Drummer? Right. None. Right. None. You won't get on the Modern Drummer unless you got a gig. Right. So right, right. when you sit there, Chris Dave has been amazing forever, dude. We've been looking at Chris Dave since I was nine, ten. Condition came out hella long ago for us. You know what I mean? Right. We all you might know him for fucking Robert Glasper or some shit. We've been knowing that dude forever. He used to play church music too. So we sit there. We sit there. And I mean, I know who Min, I know who I I listen to Men Condition. Yeah, too, I'm so. not saying you don't. I'm just I'm just right, making right. sure you know that a lot of people don't really know the history. You'd be, of you'd any be surprised guys. how much of the history I know of that of like, especially like old school hip hop and R&B. That's dope. So. Yeah, a lot of dudes don't know any history. Do you know that Brian Fraser Moore we used to play for Philly Mass Choir? Yeah, I'm from Philly, so. Yeah, so you know all about it. So when I, I met all, Brian, yeah, all that when stuff. I met Brian, he was playing with Philly Mass. When I met fucking Chris, he was he was doing Mint Condition when it was like when it when he was started doing a gig with Mint Condition. Right. So like I got dudes, sent to the principal's office for wearing an NWA shirt in fifth grade. Oh, you know all about shit. <laughs> so yeah, so yeah, so a lot of these dudes don't get any kind of love until they do something that is quote unquote national recognized is recognized nationally. Right. So a lot of times. It's teaching a lot of the dudes don't don't be individuals, don't have any kind of individuality. Why? Right. Because you don't get in the, you don't get in nothing with individuality. You get in this with a gig. Right. To get a gig, you gotta wear a black shirt and be a goddamn penguin. You know what I mean? But when you look at when you look at everybody else, you look at any other successful drummer, bro. They don't do that. Like you don't see them doing that. You don't see Travis Barker over here like oh. You know what I mean? He's not in there because he got a gig, bro. He's in there because he's him. Right. You know what I mean? You, Trey right. Cool, people who matter, they're in there because they're them. Right. Vinny Caliuda could not have a gig and he would be in the magazine. He right. would be in this shit. And that's that's my point. So what it does is it teaches a bunch of people not to be individuals. So when you when you look at the talent that the R&B and the hip hop circuit has, you you wonder, all you guys got a th- all this talent. Where are the records at? Right, right. Where's like half these dudes' records? Yeah. You I mean, do you, do you regret being on the cover of Modern Drummer? No, I think it was amazing that I was on the cover because, in my opinion, you know, dude, you know, it was really hard for me to do what I did. It wasn't like easy. It wasn't. It wasn't like, oh yeah, you go and you're like, you're like the guy, the dude. Nobody knows, and you're placing John Theodore on a cult following band. These people are cult followers of that band. So coming into a situation, not looking like nobody, not understanding who I'm around, not even knowing the music, not knowing who any of these people are, it's difficult to go and play and do a record that people like. Right. Why? Because you don't know what they like. You don't you don't know what this you don't even know your crowd. Right. right you know right. what I mean? Like I don't know these people. So I'm sitting there and it was hella difficult. So in my opinion, I feel like I earned the shit out of that. Right. And what and I, I wasn't saying that you didn't. I was just asking because, you know, you're. No, no. I feel like the majority of people who are on the, on, in Modern Drummer are in Modern Drummer too damn late. Right. Like, I'm like, when are you going to like, when are you going to show Mike Mitchell? When are you going to show fucking Travis Orban? 
When are you gonna when are you gonna show the dudes who are actually modern? When are you gonna show the dudes who are actually, you know, the face of the is this game? And I only I only talk about them and in the media and when it comes to drum media because I feel like I learned so much from them. Right. I was you surprised know, that Brian Fraser Moore just got the cover like you know, a couple of it said ago. Madonna on it. <laughs> What's that? Lord, it said Madonna on it. No, I'm saying I'm surprised that it took him so long to get the cover is what yeah I mean they could have put it for they could have put it for Justin Timberlake they could have <laughs> they could have put it you know I just think it for me personally it's just we a lot of us are like they don't want individuality in this game bro and I feel like you know I feel like in a lot of levels we we are we're almost having to fucking kick the door down you know what I mean? To right, be like, yo, right. like the like Gospel Chops was a bootleg. Most people never seen the real video. Oh, really? No, most people saw the YouTube clips. Yeah. Most people never seen the video, the full video. You know what I mean? Like this is the we like this is like a situation where we kind of like we made this happen. This wasn't something somebody was just like, you know, we're gonna we're gonna start featuring you guys. Right. Yeah, you just <laughs> you know, sort of started the started the movement. We made it happen. Right. So I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there and, you know, so I what, feel like. So what's your advice now? I mean, like, what do you, what do you, what do you suggest that? My, my advice, man, to everybody playing music, man, is to fucking do something that is you. Right. Figure out how to put yourself in music. Figure out how to figure out your own way but of writing. But there's, the, you have to make money at it too. So how do you. How do you blend that art and and the business side of it too? I mean, know? that don't make sense to me. I, you know, I was just thinking about this yesterday. I'm like, because when you talk to people about music, if you talk to the average person about music, and if if we went to Guitar Center and we talked to the hello, the I'm average here? person, if we talked to the average person about music, and we said, and we were like, yeah, man, I want to do this. I want I want to play, but man, they got to pay me five thousand dollars. Everybody would look at you crazy. They would be like, yo, you're supposed to be doing this for the art, right? Right. Well, no, I guess I'm asking if you're going to do it as a profession, <laughs> would you do it for free and get a gig at, at Starbucks if that meant When I you first could... started doing it, I didn't know what it, I didn't know what a profession was. I just wanted to play. Right, right. You know what I mean? I, I, it's like if I would have thought of this as a profession when I was doing it, I don't know if I would have did it. Right. I right. mean, if you think of a lot of shit like that, you wouldn't do it. Most I, people. Are, I agree. I didn't start playing drums to make money. Yeah, so you it's like I mean? if you. So it's like yeah, I feel like if if you you can't be on both sides of the fence, man. It's this is one dude who says that you know he he says you got to watch out what you consider um consider hereditary, you know what I mean? They were talking about you know uh the Caitlyn Jenner thing, and you know he was or or, or, or Lady Gaga with the record I was born this way. And it was like, all right, well, if you could be born that way, couldn't you be born a serial killer? Or could you, since, you know, black people have uh, historically been in poverty, could you be born in poverty too? Can you like, be, like, you know, mentally, mentally, you know what I mean? So you got to be careful um, in some levels of, of, of what you're, of what you're saying. Um, when it, when it comes to that, I feel like if you, if you're doing it for the music, do it for the music. If you're doing it for the money, then do it for the goddamn money. Right. Well, I but guess I guess my question would be, all right, Thomas, I'm going to hire you for a gig for 
500 bucks a week and it's really artistic and, and, and we're going to go on the road for six months or I'm going to hire you for this other gig that's not artistic at all, but it pays $5,000 a week. So one, it's like, you know, I guess that's my question is like, would you, would do you, it because, depends how long it is. Right. It depends how long it is. Right. Cause like, think about it, bro. Like, honestly, I mean, honestly, dude, this the gig I'm doing right now. is probably the highest paid I've ever been on a gig ever. You know what I mean? But right before I was doing this, I was doing trash talk and we were riding a van and we were punk rocking it out. Like, right. I don't give a fuck. Like, I've been on tours that are hella, hella balling and private planes. And I've been on tours where we in fucking vans and all the right. gear is in the van and we sleeping on top of each other. Dude, you yep. know what I mean? I play with people who were millionaires and we slept on top of each other. And I play with people who were, bro- were broke as shit in a tour bus. So it, it's all relative. Like, for me, for me, I don't give a fuck. Like, if I like the music and I feel like it's challenging, most times I'm on it. You know what I mean? Like, right. if I ain't got nothing to do, like, if I got something to do and and I told someone I'm going to do it and it's higher paying, that's different. Or if two people hit me up for the same amount of time, that's different, you know, right, depending right. on what's going on. But if it's just, you know, let's do it for money, half the time, half the time, you know, I don't, I don't really get, I don't really get those calls. I don't get... I don't usually get the this is for money call. Right. Like I get I get this is this is going to be a, you know, you're getting, you know, like dude, trash talk for me was amazing. It was amazing because I just love the energy of those dudes. Like, you know, everybody around the situation was hella fun and we fucking partied and it was just like a fun ass time. Right. You know what I mean? Like I could have I could have died on that tour and been fine with it. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. I've been fucking. I've been on tour where people were making a shitload of money, and I and I, if I died on the tour. I'd have been mad as fuck. Right. If I'd have got Rick <laughs> Allen on the tour, I'd have been sh- mad as shit. You know what I right. mean? Right. So I think I think if you're doing it for money, that that's the problem. Right. Because right. I, you know, I I feel like that's the biggest issue because, and that's what's making people least creative. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Even in hip hop, yo, you know, I the other night I deleted my whole playlist on Spotify and 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 just added all the rappers that everybody talk about. Why? And I why because I wanted to hear what all these people were talking about. I want to hear the hype. I keep hearing about Casey Veggies. I want to hear it. So I so I'm listening to Casey. I'm like, "Oh, I get it. You know, this dude got a lot of similarities to old hip hop." Plus, you know, he got a California thing. Like, I fuck with that. Mm-hmm. And then I was listening to, you know, Young Chop from Chicago. And I was like, I fuck with him. I see why people like his stuff. You know, his music is dope. And then you listen to other people and you don't get it. You know what I mean? And I right. the majority of the guys I was listening to was garbage. You know what I mean? Like, I was like, this shit is garbage. But it was like, this is what people are listening to. But I had to know that. And I know I can see what's happening. People are spending less less time and less energy on creating because of money. People right. be like, yo, why do I need a drummer when I can play all the drummer on tune on tune track? Right. And right, then right, you right. listen to it and it's flat. Yeah, it sounds like and crap. You, and you listen to metal right now and metal's flat. Listen to metal right now. Metal is fucking needs an overhaul. Right. You got you got Skrillex basically making metal on a goddamn laptop. So it's making it hard for metal people to be different because dubstep and, and new metal are the same thing. Yeah. So right now it's like people are are not 
I mean, music is weird because it goes through the cycles that you get tired of some shit and then it changes a little bit and then you get tired of it and then it changes. But for the most part, people are getting less creative because of money. People don't want to hire people. They don't. They mix that home. I don't want to go to a studio. I could do it at home. I don't want to go pay a studio. I could. So it makes things a lot more stale. And I think in a lot of levels, money usually makes creative shit stale. Sure. sure. So it's like if it's about creativity, you know, I mean, then I mean, then the money talk should just cease. But if it's about money, then let it be about money. Right. So if you want to play for money, go play for money. Sometimes you might have to play for money for a couple of weeks and then go back to your creative shit. It might mm-hmm. fund your creative shit. But I just say, like, you know, don't ever stop being creative because the moment you play music for money and only money, you might as well work at a goddamn gas station because it don't feel no better. Right. Right. I I totally agree with that, man. I 100% agree with that. So what do you, what's what's the future look like for you? What are you uh what are you trying to uh what are you trying to do or what 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 do you have on on tap? Um right now, um I'm about to finish this tour in May with this dude. Um um and then after that, I'm coming home and I'm about to try to I'm trying to build a studio here and um I'm recording a record with Thomas Erak, the guitar player from Fall of Troy. Mhm. Uh, that's one of my good friends and we've been like, we're past due on doing something. So we got both a break. So we're going to record. And then I hope this goddamn giraffe tongue orchestra thing comes out. Um, they, I think it's mixed already, but, um, so I did a record with Brent, um, from Mastodon and Ben Wyman from Dillinger and Juliette Lewis and this dude, Peter Griffin, who is not the cartoon. He's the bass player. (laughs) And, um, he's, um, it's a, it's a dope record. I haven't heard the whole thing in entirety, but. I want to, I want the record to come out so we can at least try to play, you know, a LA showcase or some shit. Right. Um, and then, so that's going on. This, this dude, this dude in Europe has took a lot of my time because I knew about this since summer. Mm. So it's been like, I know I can't, I couldn't do much. And right, then right. I'm, I'm not doing trash talk right now. Thundercat, Justin's doing Thundercat. Um, I kind of, um, I kind of had to pass the torch to some, some friends. Um, I want to, I love playing. That's one of my best friends. Um, it's just sometimes I, I gotta like, I gotta keep doing other projects. I get bored. I get bored if I do the same style of music all the time. Right. Right. Like I'll just be like, I'm, I'm I need like, I'll, I'll crave like, like food. I'll crave like, I need a mosh pit. I need a fucking mosh pit. And then, <laughs> or like, you know, or the opposite, you know, I, I just want to play jazz. You know, I, right. I go through little weird phases, but, right. um, so I'm not doing that, but I would like to go back and do some recording with him in Flylo. And right now I'm just I'm just chilling, dude. I don't really I know I just I really want to do this Iraq record. I'm really excited about that, and I kind of just want to put all my muster into that. Yeah, that makes sense. Because um, I mean, this dude's such a badass guitar player, and like um, I got a whole lot of shit to play. <laughs> like I got so much shit to play, dude. I've been like. You know, the thing that was cool about the Mars Volta is that it was like it it was I was learning how to um, I was learning how to make certain things that I play by myself um, listenable. Right. You know, what I mean, I was learning how to put certain things in a song. I was learning how to formulate parts right. out of my ideas, you know. Mm-hmm. And then when the memorials thing was, it was just me expanding on that, expanding on how to write songs around my crazy ideas or coming up with ideas in the midst of my boy's guitar riffs. And like, you know, so it was, it was cool. So I think this one is going to be real cool because, 
you know, I don't really know what it's going to be. Right. But I just know he's like such a good ass guitar player. Right, right, right. And it's a trio. So, um, you'll like, you'll hear a lot, you know, I was going to say, it's a lot more, you get a lot more exposed in a trio. A lot more room. Hell yeah. It's a lot more room. And so I'm, I'm hella juiced about that. And, so um, I got I got to ask yeah. because there's so many I I think people would kill me if I didn't ask what happened yeah. with the with Mars Volta. Yeah. I mean, it was just the Mars Volta thing was like, dude, I was the youngest out of all of them and I was raging mm-hmm. and um you know, they didn't really we didn't really have a clear understanding. Dude, none of these people like when you talk to musicians and you be like trying to have a one-on-one about what's going on, they never want to have it. And right. what I'm talking about is money. I'm talking about how, you know, their idea of what's next, the idea of what they want to sound like, the idea of life. They they really, they rarely know it because, I mean, it's art. So most art artists are fucking out of their mind. So, you know, a lot of times, a lot of things aren't said. You know, like you're like, you know, you're a lot of things that should be said, things that would piss you off, you know, if they were brought into light aren't said. So. You know, we didn't, our business shit was all crazy. You know, we just won a Grammy. I was upset about, you know, the deal that I had. And then um, I was upset about like doing all kind of shit on the record and not getting proper credit. Mm -hmm. And then they was upset with me because I was fucking partying. You know, basically I I got faded as fuck. And I, you know, I was partying hard as shit. And then I fucking... I was drunk and I was sleepwalking apparently from, I don't know. They said I was sleepwalking and I pissed in the, the aisle of the tour bus. Right. <laughs> and so, so then that was it. apparently, apparently I was just like the worst person in the world. Yo. So, but what's, what's hella funny about it is that like, you know, to think about all the shit that they've done and the shit that everybody does on tour and crazy shit that has happened in rock bands. It was real small. And it was blown up out of control because I was mad already at Cedric jumping on my fucking drums and throwing my shit in the crowd and not being cool with me. Like he was he was like he was he was like mad at me, you know, for like, you know, it would be like he doesn't want people to smoke blunts in the bus. And so I wouldn't I'll stop smoking blunts in the bus and someone else will be smoking and I walk in and I hit the blunt because someone else was smoking and then he sees me smoking and he's mad. And so he doesn't want to talk to me. Right, right, right. And so, but then he throws my fucking drums off the fucking stage. (laughs) But he won't talk to me. That'd be enough to piss me off. Yeah, it was shit like that. And then it was like, it was like petty shit that like any grown ass person who listens to it is like, you guys want a Grammy, had all those bomb ass shows and videos and all this shit. And then you fucking up because of that. That's dumb. Yeah. Uh, like, man, this is all shit. Yeah. Dude, my, my, one of my best friends, uh, I don't know if you know the band, the Bloodhound Gang. No, I don't know. But they, came, they had that You and Me Baby Ain't Nothing But Mammals song years ago. Oh, I like that song. But they, so they've been a band since like 94, right? Yeah. And I mean, they've like, they just touring and touring and touring. But the same thing. It's like, you know, you're living in a bus with people and tensions get high and like, They've gone through multiple, you know, drummers and guitar players and all that stuff. It just happens, you know, man. Some people, some people like me, like, you know, I I was mad about, you know, other shit, you know, but like me, I'm the type of person like someone the other day was like, bro, would you go back and play with them if they called you? And I was like, fuck, yeah. 
Because I'm like, I'm the type of motherfucker, bro, that I can, I don't care about. Like, I honestly don't give a fuck. Like, if we went out and it was like, let's go whoop ass for the rest of our lives, let's go whoop, I would do it. Right. I, that's they are. They like, they like women. It's like they hold to shit like, like, you know, they will hold it and remind you of what you did forever. Right. It's like that. It's like, fuck, dude. Like, I didn't do that much. You guys actually fucked me more than I fucked you because you're still making money off me. Right. <laughs> so, did, did, did that man, they broke up though didn't they they still make money off it well no 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 i know that yeah no i, <laughs> yeah, I wasn't I mean, questioning that they they they're like they're like i don't know man they do whatever the fuck they do but i just know you know that that's how it, it happened it was fucking stupid and you know we got into a big uh, a big thing later you know what i mean that had nothing to do with music but you know i feel like i've Feel like it was it was God, you know what I mean? Like because I could have potentially been in it. Like, dude, that's why I'm saying God's gifts that he that the, when he says you're gifted, the God the gift that he's giving you is information. Because if I was an idiot, I would have stayed in that band forever, right? Getting robbed, right? I'd have been getting robbed forever, and that's what I'm saying. That's I man, dude, playing with so many people and working with so many artists. I thank God for Keisha Cole because she used to bring me in her her meetings with Interscope. And I used to, you know, not only her, but my grandmother, too. But I used to sit there and really be able to, like, watch how she did business, like how her label was dealing with her and all this shit and publishing and royalties and all the shit. It seems like you got to be a mason for a drummer to tell you in a magazine. It's like, you know, I really I really I really thank God for that shit because, like, it helped me. It helped me to know. It, look, recognize that you just won a Grammy and you probably shouldn't make the same amount of money as you made yesterday. And they didn't have a Grammy before you were playing. So you probably won that shit for them. So you probably should check on your money. You know what I mean? Right, <laughs> like, right, right. He's <laughs> like, oh no, man. Well, I appreciate you being honest with me about it. I love it. Because most people yeah. are like, oh, well, I'm going to talk about... Uh, you know, and they'll beat around the bush about it. I, I love your, yeah, I love I your honesty, care, man. though, man. I love it. Yeah, because it's like at the end of the day, bro. Like, I feel like, I mean, I'm, I'm such a regular ass person, bro. Like, I don't, I don't know. Like, that's what, bo- that's what bothered me. I, that's what bothered me the most out of it is I felt like, you know, I, I just feel like people choose, they pick and choose what kind of person they want to be when they feel like being it. Like, when they want to be, when it's a band, oh, we are bad. You know what I mean? When it's just them, it's just them. It ain't a band. You know what I mean? Like, and people, it, it tends to happen when flights are getting picked, when money's getting sorted, and when people are talking about what they did on a record. It's always, it's, it's always, we're not a band, but then when we're on tour and we're broke down outside and they need everybody to help push this goddamn bus out the goddamn ditch, <laughs> everybody's a band member, right? So right. that's, it's always like that. So, you know, I thank God for experiencing that because it's like I experienced it early. Like it would have sucked to be right now in my career playing with them forever and then realize that shit at 32 and be like, what the fuck? Right. Just wasted right. 10 years with these crazy people. Right. <laughs> <laughs> shit. <laughs> nice. So how do uh, how can people get in touch with you if they want to? Because you teach privately. So if, if, uh, if people um, want to get up with you and, and take lessons from you or learn from you and chat with you. How, how do you suggest they do that? Um, you could hit me up. Um, I got an email. Um, um, when I, I got a, I got a manager too, but I got a personal email that, and people send me shit. And I just forward it to my manager. If it's not about lessons, if it's about lessons, I'll write you back. So 
email me. Um, I'm not going to give you my email over here. You might have to Google or some shit. Like, fuck, put in some work. Yeah. People is crazy now, man. You could, a motherfucker can have their phone in their hand and they'll ask you for directions to something. Yep. Or people like, email what? you, people email you and ask you a question when you just have to go Google it and figure it out. All the time. Yep. So people want to, if, if people want to reach out to, just uh, email to me, Thomas man, email me or hit me up on Instagram or some shit. All right. And I'll link up uh, all your information in the show notes for this podcast so people can check it out and connect with you and, and learn more about you and, uh, and try to take lessons from you or whatever else they want to do. And how talk, many people listen to this? Uh, how many people listen to it about? Yeah. Well, last month we hit 250,000. God damn it. Did I say some fucked up shit on here? I loved it. It was perfect. Damn it. Oh. <laughs> uh. No, I don't, I don't, I don't, I mean, I'll be saying, it's always the same shit, dude, I, I don't know, I just, I just feel like, man, I, I just want drummers to fucking be themselves, man, like, I watch people verbatimly play like me and Tony and fucking Eric Moore, right. and that, it's dope that you could do that shit, I think it's dope as fuck, mm-hmm. now, 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 do all that shit with your feet, or switch, or do it with your left hand and switch that shit up, or put it on the ride symbol or something, right. like, that's, that's my biggest thing, man. I feel like the more people do that, the, the faster the art form grows. Yeah, find your own voice and, and take, find the, your take, own take voice. the stuff that other people did and then make it yours and, and, and you know find your own stuff. Yeah, man. I totally agree, man. Thomas, thank you so much for, for taking all the time to chat with me, man. I really do appreciate it. I know the listeners appreciate it because they've been asking me to get you on for a long time, so I really appreciate it. All good, bro. Be safe, man. Absolutely, man. You do the same. I'll talk to you soon. All right. So there you have it, Thomas Pridgen. And like I said, probably one of the realest and rawest interviews I've ever done. I loved it. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as as I did having that conversation. We actually talked for about an an hour or so after the interview as well. So we just kind of just kept rapping about all sorts of stuff. Very, very interesting dude. And uh, glad that I, that I got him on the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Don't forget, check me out on Snapchat. I'm at drummers are source. I'll be documenting live from Nam and from drum channel. I'm spending some time out of drum channel uh, over the next two weeks as well. I'm at drummers are source on Snapchat, a bunch of behind the scenes videos, a bunch of uh, me daily vlogging, just talking about all sorts of stuff, drums and music business related and, and things like that. I'm at Snapchat at Drummers Our Source. Question of the day is how many of you are going to the NAM conference? If you're going, uh, shoot me a message on Twitter uh, and just you know let me know that you're going to be there. Maybe we can meet up. That would be super cool. If you're not going, uh, I want to know why not. So if you're going, let me know. And if you're not going, let me know why not. And until the next podcast, keep drumming. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll be talking to you soon. Peace. And what's up, everybody? This is Thomas Pridgen. Um, check out my interview today on Drummer's Resource. And, um, yeah, I hope you like it. Peace. I could do that again. You want to do it again? All right. This is Thomas Pridgen. Make sure you check out my interview on Drummer's Resource. Um, I hope you dig it. Peace. <laughs>